Welcome to episode 34 of Expanding Beyond. Um, how are you doing, Monica, tonight? Tonight, I'm doing fairly well, thank you. It was a very nice uh, couple of days in Munich. The sun is shining, the temperatures are mild for being late October. And also, I had donuts, so that makes everything better. <laughs> Great. <laughs> what about you? <laughs> yeah, it was a nice day. Um, and we're sort of, as parents, currently um, adjusting to having a teenage daughter who wants to sort of do stuff on her own with her friends somewhere outside and just not tell us what she's doing. Well, not as bad, but we're sort of still learning, I guess. <laughs> yes. Can't uh, imagine. I guess that's what we signed up for. <laughs> yes. That happens when you have kids. Uh <laughs> I spent the day at a, at a friend and she has two twins. It's interesting. <laughs> yes, it's interesting at any age, basically. Yeah. Basically, yes. <laughs> and Ooh. it's basically a an evergreen, I would say, that's going that came up before already. And I'm sure it's going to come up a few more times uh, in sort of different configurations. And that's estimations and anything that goes around it's a very juicy topic <laughs> so, yes why it came about it's like uh, so whenever um uh, you and i this is for our listeners whenever you and i get together uh, to re uh, record the po the podcast we actually do not prepare a lot it's just like we type something in a uh, in a google sheet for that for that episode we get together like 10 minutes before we go through the options, like blah, blah, blah. And this time around, I think it was me that I added something about estimations and you said, oh yes, let's talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess that um, the reason why we're talking about estimations today, it's because we were asked about <laughs> estimating something. <laughs> And uh, I guess that everybody can relate uh, to that. Yeah. Yeah. On my side, it is basically that the, the, the current project we are doing, we basically hadn't estimated. Mm -hmm. And there was this, I mean, not necessarily bad uh, sort of um, ask to say, uh, hey, how long do you think that's going to take? Because there's this project coming after and it would sort of be interesting to know roughly when that's going to happen. And yeah, we are sort of trying to <laughs> wrap our head around coming sort of, sort of at least this team is coming from a place where we just basically with a very vague vision, blurry vision of where we wanted to go. We just basically started. And now we are sort of trying to transition to a state where we spend some more time upfront to actually figure out a bit better uh, what it is that we're try trying to do uh, to sort of, yeah, actually get an estimate. Mm. And I guess sort of the main, the main, main thing there is actually that it's okay to actually spend some time, <laughs> some of your time basically coming up with an estimate because that's obviously also not free. Absolutely. That's a very good point. For me, it was um, somewhat in between. So as I said also last time, uh, I'm uh, my team is taking care of this uh, of this project that 
had been estimated already because um, someone put a date on it, right? I was like, oh, it's going to take until that day. Instead <laughs> of estimation. Uh, I mean, don't, let's not rush to my next point. <laughs> um, and uh, during our last uh, staff meeting with all the engineering leaders, uh, we also had uh, this uh, this conversation about it's like right now in my company we don't do estimations in the sense of like on the product team level. To my knowledge, none of the product teams goes with um, any of the methodologies that Agile is using, like t-shirt sizes or story points or whatever. Like people do what they can do, they do it the best they can and that's when it's going to be ready basically so we had this conversation and and uh, our uh, our manager was like yeah you know we need to uh, we need to get better at uh, estimating because we need to provide some uh, some numbers i'm paraphrasing that that's not an exact quote uh, but fundamentally we should be able in a scale of a quarter on the scale on on a scale on, of a quarter we should be able to uh know more or less what we can deliver and um you can imagine some of the reactions so what what i've 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 heard from this is that that you're basically where you were more or less talking about estimating the the complexity or size or whatever you want to call it of a certain story mm-hmm and I think that is actually the <laughs> unimportant part, because if you're already at this point to actually know what you want to build, then you have already some, then I think you've already done the, the, the important and hard part. And sort of what I have learned in recent, in recent time, it's basically, it is okay to spend some time upfront to actually really think about what you want to do. And not just have this rough idea of, yeah, this is more or less what we want to do, but really come up with the concrete things you, you want to do. And then you can sort of say, Hey, I have now spent some days instead of coding as a team, we have spent on really figuring out most of the details of what we're going to need. Uh, we have maybe not added all details to the stories, but we have already written the stories. And then you already have your first estimate, I would say, because you already have a, a basically a count of stories of what you need to do. And then sort of, if you're going to then estimate those stories afterwards, that's sort of, I'm not sure it's going to improve the estimation by much. I think you touched two very, very good points. So first of all, you said you haven't spent some time coding, but instead you have spent some time investigating. So there is one one factor here that not not very often we put it out loud like that. It's like there is this concept in many many companies that a, a software engineer, and that's why we use also that uh, that word, is useful only when they actually churn out code, mm -hmm. when they produce code. But this is not what you are. This is not what software engineers are doing. Should we use software developers? It doesn't really matter. The point is that these people are us. We are conceptual workers. What we have is an expertise, 
we have some skills and we are there to solve problems. Writing code is one of the way in which we solve that problem, but it's not the only way. Most of the value that we have, it's because we are able to understand complex problems and find a way to automate that. Yeah. And it can be done in so many ways. <laughs> yeah. For example, I think I haven't written a single line of code last week or this week. <laughs> because, and, and this is exactly the point why the more senior you become, very, very, very often, the less code you're going to write because you're going to apply your knowledge and your skills into how to solve the problem without actually writing the code, because that's the least valuable thing you can do. You know that joke, it's like the best, the most valuable code ever written is the one that you don't write because mm -hmm. code rots, because code is something that it's, it's a mean to an end, but it's not the only mean. What if we could do that in another way? That it's actually, what if we shouldn't do that? That's part of solving the problem. <laughs> because there's no actual problem. There's no value in that problem to be solved. So there is that part. And the second part is that of what you said about uh, jokingly before, I was like, is that even an estimation? That's the whole point. It's like an estimation is at the very core, it's fundamentally a guess. It's a guess it, it, and it's, a more accurate guess, the moment in which you start removing uncertainty from the problem. And you can do it in many, many ways. You, it's like, how can you get more accurate? We very often we say, it's like, oh, yeah, because that person is very experienced or they have done that before. All these things, this, this experience, it's basically this person having repeated the action more and more often it's like if you ask me how do you build a dog house i'm like i have no clue i've never done that how long it's gonna take what material do you need i have no idea mm -hmm. if i have done it before guess what if you give me the exact same conditions same wood same tools the accuracy of my it's gonna take eh, two weeks it's gonna be much closer to what it actually will be because I have done that before and I can repeat and I have the same conditions. I can repeat that action with a very high level of precision. Yeah. With the sort of downside of software development that you're never going to do the same thing you've done before <laughs> because, because that's never as close useful. as it is, like it's, it's going to be really hard to be able to repeat the exact same experience. This is why also, for example, it's important to keep teams as stable as possible, because the more people you change, that's another variable in your equation. Guess what is going to happen to your estimates then? Mm. So yeah. there's experience. You have what we just said about stability of conditions, right? It's like someone leaves, someone uh, gets sick. Those are also things that remove stability from the system. But stability of conditions is also, I don't know, the mood in the company. Are we changing the strategy? How important the project is? All these things affect things. There are external factors. Maybe there, you have to integrate a new system that you didn't integrate in the past. And that's 
a condition that changes and so on and so forth. So it's like basically all these things, it's like what, what you want to be more accurate is that of having knowledge. Why do we spend so much time trying to learn computer science? Because we are trying to get some of the knowledge that other people have. Why do you do mentorship? All this kind of stuff. So it's everything is there to increase the accuracy of that person in their job. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of for me, like, yeah, like we talked about, the big thing is that it's not all about writing code. There's also no. all the other things that sometimes need to happen. I mean, especially in our team, we, we sort of, we are building something very, very technical. Mm -hmm. uh, currently there isn't even a user interface because okay. it's just connecting APIs together. And I think therefore there's also more that needs to come from us developers because how is your, your product manager, your product owner going to understand in the end what, what needs to happen if they're not a developer, because this is so, so technical. So. I think this is also one of the uh, the things we have we have still to learn that there's just we have to drive this much more because <laughs> we are basically the only one ones who can really understand uh, mm. the problem domain. What about having a technical product owner, product manager? I mean, there's a theoretical uh, possibility, I guess, <laughs> mm. but at this point, we just. I mean, I'm not sure. You are your own product managers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's some. I really have been spending much more time now, sort of trying to come up with. Here is a, it's sort of a mix between right. I, I'm basically programming in a word document or on a Confluence page, more mm -hmm. or less, to really detail in details write down what we need to do step by step, because then we can say, hey, we have done these stories, we have still. We have written those stories and here are the holes of what still needs to uh, be written, be estimated. And because this, at least to me, was was what was missing and what basically confused me last week. Where where are we? We are we are sort of working towards this goal. Yeah. But it at least to me, wasn't super clear when we would be done. <laughs> mm -hmm. What's still missing? How what's the percentage like more or less? Right. Yeah, exactly. And because that's sort of the, uh, the other side of estimates, right? Um, you sort of, in the end, afterwards, you have to go back and see, hey, did that, were we on time? Were, how much late? How long did it take it really? And try to learn some lessons from it, which is sort of also not the easiest thing to do, I guess. Absolutely. Uh, and that is also a very other good point that many companies don't do to that level. It's just like, oh my God, this project has failed. We are far above our costs. Table flip. Someone is going to get fired for this. I was like, but that's not the point. It's like, first of all, if you fire someone because they're not, they, they haven't been good at estimating the work. So if they haven't brought the, the project to the success you wanted, you have to seriously revisit your your definition of success and you just lost a, a person that has become more valuable to you because they have gone through that experience and they mm -hmm. could avoid the same mistakes again. I mean, unless yeah. they are completely stupid, but that's what's <laughs> the likelihood of that. Let's be honest. So a fundamental part of it's like, again, to reduce that uncertainty that you attach to a problem to improve 
the way you can correctly is there even a correct estimate but of like of your estimates to be more accurate what you need to do is literally looking back and this is where again the concept of agile not agile with a big a but you know of, of agility looking back and trying to learn and trying to understand what went wrong why were we so far from the mark yeah that makes me think when when are you wrong if it's still an estimate <laughs> mm -hmm. if it takes longer um to some degree it's okay right because it was just an estimate but when when do you have to consider it a failure because i think that's also one of the things that um oftentimes gets lost when you go outside of uh the the technical part of the company that Absolutely. an estimate gets translated into a deadline mm -hmm. <laughs> which is and then you want to change it afterwards and then it gets hard and then there's the pushback and then sort of the developer inside yeah says yeah phew, i don't know let's double every estimate and then stuff gets super late and then exactly it's kind of kind of uh, uh seems like sometimes this is also a bit missing absolutely that deadline becomes the actual uh criteria for success or failure of the project instead of like what is the outcome that we're really trying to achieve and you know like now everybody speaks about outcome but think about it the outcome that you want to achieve is that of ultimately if you are again if you are in a certain kind of environment that has understood certain things it's the value that you bring that you bring to your users because if you bring value to the users the users will give you money back basically that's that's how it is <laughs> so like you're giving them something they want so that you get money back in return and if you don't attach criteria for success that are tied to that value then you're why are we even doing this i was listening to a podcast before an episode of it's, uh, it's from a podcast it's called managing up i'm, I'm gonna send you the the link afterwards where there was exactly this comment it's a it was like as an engineer manager one of the hosts was saying as an engineer manager if they come to me with the request for an estimate in terms of time that basically it's an estimation of cost because in the end that's what it is mm -hmm. um i want to have an estimate of the value that we're going to bring to the business with this if there is no such estimate if there is no criteria for success or or failure that goes beyond the time then i'm not going to give you an answer and that's the hill i'm going to die on yeah so this is also on our side this is sort of what the the upper level of sort of the steering committee let's call it like that mm -hmm. decides in the end what exactly do we want to build right they need that estimate but they also need an an estimation of what what will that sort of give us in terms of um uh money in the end right yes also and that is something that you can also approximate but you have to include all these elements in your uh, in your uh, calculation if something has been successful or not and all these values give you a, a framework like they give you data points so that then you can uh, decide because fundamentally all these numbers are there to help us decide is this worth is this worth starting is it worth pursuing is it worth stopping 
there are projects that needs to be killed because they're just too expensive. There's no point in pursuing those. I mean, you will never get sort of 100% accurate on any, in any level, but at least you can sort of get a bit more objective <laughs> with your decisions. I mean, the accuracy you reach once you hit the ground, that's it. Then it's when you have 100% accuracy. Yeah, we're going to mm. release today because we're going to release today. Guess what? <laughs> right? And in, I don't know, three months, yes, we have been successful because we have had this much revenues because of that. That's when you're going to be accurate. But that's the only time in which you're going to be 100% accurate. Otherwise, going back to, to the point you were making, then you have uh, software engineers or whomever that just doubles the their estimate, the, they double their prediction. That is just to get our confidence level from abysmal. It's like, okay, this is the closest in time that we are, that we could be actually shipping that. That's the minimum we can guarantee if nothing goes wrong to we're 90% sure that we can deliver in that time. But do you really want to have a 90% confidence? Because to have a 90% confidence level on whatever estimate that you're going to ask your people, what you're going to end up having is like inflated estimate, inflated. But you're going to have very big estimates because you have to include, if we're talking about, you know, probability, the very long end of the curve. Yeah. And, and in the end, sort of the, the, in the end, if you think about it, that there isn't probably <laughs> then no difference between sort of having really, really inflated estimates and then sort of having projects one after the other that are really long. And then maybe you're, you're sort of done sooner with one. And then you sort of have to shift the next project, um, which essentially is probably going to be the same when you don't have that long deadlines but then you sort of have to take a bit longer and then it shifts in the other way i think in the end it's probably yeah. the same amount of trouble for everyone involved absolutely i mean what, I, what i've noticed is that because I'm, I'm following as i said multiple times a bunch of different channels and slack on uh, on management topics and there was this conversation uh on on an agile channel where they were discussing about exactly confidence level attached to estimates um, the point was like, what you want to have is a confidence level of a 50% because at, at a SORIC level, so we're talking about really deep into the, the detail. If you have a 50% confidence that you can deal with that thing, this means that, uh, there is exactly the same chance that you are overestimating that or underestimating that once you have all your stories more or less in that range they will compensate each other. There will be stories in which you believe it's going to take three days instead it took one and you're going to have stories or tasks that instead of three days, they took five. But on average, you are fairly accurate in your prediction of what you can do. Mm -hmm. But then the trick of all of this is that you need to build that database, right? Like you have to have enough data points to be able to make that prediction. And this is why it's so important to, again, reinforce the message that we have never done this before. Therefore, we cannot guarantee you that this is an accurate estimation of our project. It's like the, on the business side, they do have to understand this part. 
Because if you have never done anything like that before, the likelihood of you being wrong on so many details, it's so high that it's ridiculous to treat that deadline as something that is certain. Yeah. Yeah. What we then uh, in our team, basically, I think our sort of the wrong turn we took was basically to say, hey, uh, this is sort of a completely new part. Uh, we are also a new team. We don't know how long it's going to take, so we are just going to start and not estimate, <laughs> yeah. which is maybe also not the best way because then how are you going to get better at the estimations? How are you going to sort of get a feeling for how, how complex and long stuff is going to take if you don't even start? Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. I mean, my opinion, that is if you are in business and you expect things to be certain, you're wrong. As like the whole point of being in business is that you accept that there is a risk attached to it. You want to reduce that risk as much as possible, but you cannot eliminate the risk because if you, if there is no risk, there is no, there's no return. It's like, the, yeah. that's literally business 101. And I'm not saying that because uh, like I'm an angry engineer here. It's literally in every book about how to make business. There is a risk attached to it. And that's why, guess what? If you are good at handling that risk, then you're going to earn much more than I poor permanent employed employee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> so trying to reduce that risk, it's sane. You have to also understand that it's impossible to have zero risk on something. So starting to do something, it's that phase of exploration that gives you a good understanding that, that can give you a fair understanding of, am I going in the right direction? Why is agile so important? Why product development modern product development is so important. You have a research phase and that research phase is used to reduce the risk of your project failing. But that is part of the cost of being in business. Otherwise, you are going to be the hundredth Chinese factory that produces the same copy of something that Apple is producing. And it's, it's definitely fine but you are not going to have the same revenues as Apple. So you just have to decide who you want to be. Yeah. I'm getting philosophical now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for me, there's also sort of a sort of on the, on the personal side, a bit of a different attack. So this whole estimations and knowing what's going on there is, uh, especially because I, like I said, the week last week and maybe not 100%, but the weeks before I also haven't been coding much. And instead mm -hmm. I've been sort of doing the, a bit more of the planning and a bit more of the designing. And somehow until, basically until I wrote it down here for this episode, I, I felt a bit bad actually about, Hey, I'm, I'm doing that work instead of, uh, writing the code. Um, and somehow, somehow it took me a while to understand that this is also a kind of a, an important, important part. And I'm sort of giving up the control basically on the code or I'm, I mean, this sounds too, too, yes. too, uh, 
I don't know. It, it's not like I'm I'm going wouldn't have would have dictated how the code would have to look like, but I sort of give up my influence on that level. But mm -hmm. instead, I'm sort of sort of bringing more in in into the design level. And what I've learned there is that I I guess I need to be, get better at communicating that stuff <laughs> <laughs> because there were so many misunderstandings on that level, mm -hmm. and there was so much that I kept in my head um and didn't write down and then eventually i wonder I, I was sometimes i was surprised why people couldn't sort of keep up and why i always had to explain certain things that seemed so clear to me because mm. i thought about the stuff and maybe they sort of spent more time coding and i guess i need to i don't know <laughs> i need to write this down this stuff down all the time and i need to sort of try to get it out of my head or out of my notebook yes. basically onto something that the others can at least see and then either they ask or I explain uh, directly. That is a very important part, I think. First of all, because as much as you think about the problem and you think you have thought the problem through, there will be different ways of doing that that you haven't thought about. Or, or you made straight out mistakes, basically, yes. like I have done also. Yeah. <laughs> like I remember, like it was yesterday, there was, uh, speaking of estimations, we had one of our best engineers. She was, she is brilliant. Josie, if you're out there, hi. And she was asked, just like, how long it's going to take to implement this? And she was like, yeah, I was like, if I, if I focus on this, I might make it in, in a week working student in the same team she was mentoring him i was like but we can do this with a sql query and the time for implementation went down to two hours literally <laughs> yeah and this is why you as you know it's like as an architect or as a team lead as a um as a tech lead as uh, someone that has the ownership on the you know technicals design of, of a certain feature, you want to have people checking in with your idea because you're human <laughs> and that's it. Yeah. And maybe that's the best idea ever. It's like, there's no other way, but how much comfortable will you be to know that everybody else says that's the best idea we can implement? It's like, okay, they won the lottery. That's the best idea. Let's do it. I sort of, I mean, I, I probably uh, meant, uh, spoke like that about this, that it's a bad idea to just have this architect who is sort of doing stuff yes. on his own in previous episodes, but it's, it's sort of easy to sort of fall into that trap and just do it yourself without noticing it. It's very, very easy. Uh, and I mean, it's a fine line because, because there is a certain narrative around also leadership positions, whatever kind of leadership, we're not talking necessarily about management, but you know, this fact that it's like, oh, but you have to be the smartest person in the room. Again, that's super wrong. What you want to have is the smartest people in the room and you don't want to be the smartest. First of all, for you, because this means that you are in a place where you cannot grow and you can learn from others. And then yeah. what's the point? that's my personal take the what's the point but also you want to make sure that uh, again you have the brightest minds that you are have available 
to come up with the best solution. And very likely, like, again, in the big, big world out there, looking at all the numbers out there, what's the likelihood of you being the, in the 95th percentile? Let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if, if I were an average person, then I would say pretty big because uh, there's this, there are these studies that say, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how many percent think they are above average, but yeah. All of them. Yeah. <laughs> All of us, <laughs> all the time. Partially, I think it's also a problem of our industry that is just very, very young. Another point on that podcast I was listening this morning was, if you look at the at human history, it's like this is how long we have been building things, all kinds of things. Look at how long we have been building software and look at how long we have been building software at scale. It's a minuscule part of that time. Yeah. So our ability as an industry to be accurate on what we say and be confident about what we're putting out there, it's like we're, we are babies. We're literally like, and if you think about it, that, that uncertainty, the, the fact that as a, as a, as a species and as a, as an industry, we are so, so young like the our lack of knowledge what it it's required to be good at doing this thing it's that cost is spread across all the projects that we will ever do until we get to know exactly how to build the wheel and it's gonna take some yeah. time <laughs> yeah so it's not surprising it's like for the bookworms uh, out there, I was like, I have four books to uh, to recommend on on the topic. It's like it's not surprising to see there's two books that are actually quite old. One is the Medical Man Month, and one is Waltzing with Bears. These are books that have been written between the seventies, if I'm not mistaken, and nineties. Uh, so we're talking about quite some time ago, and these. If you go and read them today, they present the exact same problems, the exact same questions. How do we deal with the uncertainty? How do we deal with business requiring precision? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And it's also like basically now or also in the pre-show, what you've experienced and what I have experienced recently is basically the same thing. Yes, it's exactly the same thing. And it's it's also partially rooted in our to this day still concept as a as a society of work as that of that the work defined by taylorism software developers building software is not building a car it's a different thing it's not working in manufacturing it's substantially different and you cannot apply the same mechanics as much as you guys with an mba wants that it's not going to happen. You're just fighting reality. <laughs> yeah. But it's also like you said, the, the industry is so young and yes. there's basically no education around that topic. Yeah. So this is the frustrating part for all of us out there. We're basically on a daily basis also educating ourselves and educating everybody else that comes from different industries. Like right now, I'm working with people that are coming from the pharmaceutical industry. Their expectations, I haven't spoken with them one-to-one, -one, but 
you can tell like the expectation of people from other fields coming into ours is that you know it's like they're used to have precise deadlines it's it's also false in that regard but let's pretend it's true but it's still much more precise than what we are used to it's like we're talking with people for which the life cycle of a product of a product like the development of a, of a new product takes years and for them three months is insanely fast for us it's so fucking long mm. it's just three months to bring something to a user and have your assumptions verified it's a super long time so there are these two books that i said and there's uh two more um one is the one that i'm reading right now and it's called software estimation without guessing this book i just started so i'm page 10 but i'm already like oh my god preach preach brother it has been recommended by uh, i'll remember <laughs> the name this guy sorry but but how i mean if you really as a software developer think about it then that's sort mm -hmm. of a funny title because <laughs> estimation without guessing <laughs> Yes. Isn't an estimate just a guess? <laughs> I mean, to me, it goes back to the to the point of that of reducing uncertainty. Mm. And in order to have a good estimate without guessing, what you need is data. Yeah, and that's it. So you have to either remove the guessing part. It's going to be done when it's going to be done. Think about software startups. I was like, they start without without estimates. Like, oh, that's a cool idea. Let's do it. Mm -hmm. And you don't have estimates, you don't have a calendar out there. You, and even if you have, is it going to hurt? It's just you and another buddy somewhere. Or you have enough data points to then not having to guess anymore. So the, this first book was, uh, was uh, recommended to me by uh, one of the guys from the XP movement he is one of the thinkers uh, so he's the same age as you know martin fowler and all the other guys the second one was recommended to me by a former colleague he's he was he studied computer science but he also studied mathematics and the like and there's this book it's called how to measure everything that it's also accompanied by a workbook this book literally teaches you how to use statistics and mathematics to estimate whatever, to measure whatever kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And everything is rooted in the fact that you have data. You have, you might have simulations, you might have whatever, but you still need data in the end. That sounds useful in so many places. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that in the end, the most important part of all of this is that because we are on the front line as software engineers and as managers of engineers why it's so important to have a manager of engineers that do know what it means to uh to code and to and to uh address this uh, these issues because they have experienced it i was like it's important to educate ourselves so do your research what is important for the people that are discussing with you on the other side of the table what is that they want to hear there was this very good point like in order to understand what this estimation is about, you need to know the why. And it's not the why, the context. It's like, why do you need that number exactly? Mm -hmm. But don't ask it as if it was a why, because why is a very contentious word. It's going to make people feel like they are being questioned. What you want to hear is a why in the form of a what. 
what do you need this number for? If we don't meet this deadline, what is going to happen? Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. all the why around that number that you want to know, because then you can diffuse that number. Yeah, and it's also going to give you an idea on how precise you need to be, right? Yes. If it's just, ah, uh, that's, that's not uh, helping us for some nebulous reason versus having to, I don't know, hire 10 more people. Yeah, exactly. It's like, <laughs> it's okay, difference. it's a back of the envelope calculation to figure out uh, if we need, um, I don't know, if we need to, uh, if this project is actually worth making. Or we need that that number because uh, we have to coordinate with four other departments and they need to plan their work. So you have also a different level of accuracy that you can provide. Like, mm. okay, if you need to plan for hiring 10 more people, wait a second, let me run the numbers a little bit better. If it's for like, okay, we're going to have a party after we have release, and it's like, okay, it's like, it's a week or 10 days or a month, like, who cares? Kind of. <laughs> it depends on how big the Pe- party has to, has to be. Right? <laughs> yes, I mean, people in HR is gonna, are going to be pissed anyways. And out of all of this, the the last uh, the last word for me is it looks like I I think that from the tone I'm using, it looks like I know my shit. I don't. I am deep into discussions. I don't know how to deal with certain things. I get upset about questions. I get upset about uh, other things. So the the last word would be it's normal if you feel that way. And sort of the. The last word from my side, if I want to bring one, would be that basically everyone is still trying to do their best, right? They're not just asking to to annoy you. Absolutely. <laughs> there must be a reason behind it. Sometimes it's very easy to forget that this is that, that they try to they ask that because they want to do a good job. And it's easy to to just, I don't know, to not put a face and and uh, and hu- a human alongside of that and it's very easy to just get annoyed <laughs> that is very very true and thank you for saying that because we often forget yes uh every day <laughs> basically <laughs> it's easy to say but then to do it is 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 a whole n- another thing especially in a remote environment where you don't see the person that is super tough all right all right so that wraps it up uh for today where can people find you monica so they can find me at my desk uh, because I don't move a lot these days. Um, uh, no, you can find me on Twitter at KFMolly with an I. Uh, you can find me on my um, website, monikag.me. You can find me almost everywhere as uh, near Ninth, Dab2, GitHub, bunch of places. What about you? And you can find me on Twitter as UJH. I mostly read and don't write much. Um, and if you want to get in touch with us, you can email us at where can they email us? I forget. <laughs> <laughs> Hosts at expandingbeyond.it. <laughs> right. <laughs> that was it. Uh, because we, I am, have we ever received an email on that email address? That we had spam. Twice. No, no, spam. no. We, <laughs> okay. we, at least once we have received an email. Cool. Yes. It would be nice if that uh, if those were more. We are more than happy to, I don't know, discuss topics that our listeners uh, come up with. Oh yes. And if you have any any people you think that might be interested in the podcast, uh, 
uh, feel free to share. Uh, we're always happy to have more listeners. Always. <laughs> All right. So thank you, everyone, for listening. Bye-bye. Thank you, as always. Bye-bye. <laughs>